Welcome to RSS, the Revolutionary Sports Front, your dirty, nasty, and controversial sports talk podcast for all things Detroit sports and sports worldwide. Here are your hosts, Tony, Joey, Frank, and Gerard, four lifelong friends born and raised in South Detroit. Welcome to RSF. It is Sunday evening. It's been a long week, and we have much, much to cover. Um, we got a lot of things to talk about. We have UFC Upset City last night was a bloodbath, male and female. We got some fan response, as promised, from last week. We got some La Tech budget crisis stuff to talk about. And uh, for today's purposes, most importantly, the corpse, the tombstone of the Detroit Red Wings, and Joey's going to help us out with that. But before I tee it up for Joe, I just want to uh, come up with some things here. The Red Wings have now lost two straight to Chicago in blowout fashion. Ugly. They're at the bottom end of the playoff picture. They made no moves at the trade deadline, and they have an overall sense of utter failure about them, leaving us all to ask, Joe, why? Why? You really want to know why? I, I do. It's because they refuse to make a move for the past five damn years on anyone worth a damn in the NHL. The players have been out there. The, you know, Edmontoners are on a fire sale of some of the most talented forwards drafted in the last four fucking years. And, uh, and the Red Wings refuse to trade for one of them. They, they, got, they got aging stars. They got, they got a whole bunch of other talented players who just are not pure goal scorers or playmakers. They're undersized. And they get pushed around. They get pushed around every game. And uh, I think it's showing the last two games against the defending champs you know, who they really are. I really think that's who the Detroit Wings are. Um, I'm going to make I'm gonna make a bold statement here at the end of, of a lot of my explanations oh, here. Boy. But, uh, you know, I, I will say one thing. I mentioned before the trade deadline, I mentioned a month out. We need to make a trade, and it needs to be a blockbuster trade. It needs to be someone like a, like a, a Nugent Hopkins, Jonathan Drouin, uh, somebody that's going to play with Larkin and someone we can build this team around because we're not going to win the Stanley Cup this year. We don't have the team. We don't have the defense, and the goalie's too damn young. And, uh, and, the, and the two forwards that could carry us in the past had a lot of help. And, oh, by the way, they're not in their prime anymore. They're, they're going down fast, and it's showing right now that they can't carry this team even, even through uh, a second game against the Blackhawks on three days rest. They, it's just not going to happen. They should have made a trade where they should have bombed out the season and gone for Austin Matthews, a once-in-a-lifetime player who's going to go number one overall in the draft. He's playing with adults right now in an adult league in Switzerland. The, the guy's not playing junior hockey. He's playing professional hockey at 16-17 uh, right now, and he's going to be able to play right away in the NHL. He's dominating that league over there. He's dominating against men, and he's going to he's gonna come over here and make a, make a big impact, probably for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, Congratulations, Detroit. You're going to get to see Toronto across the way there. Uh, take your coach and take the number one overall pick in the draft and probably uh, sign Steven Stamkos over the summer, which Detroit will also fail to do. And uh, and then we're going to be hearing about Toronto for the next uh, 10, 10 or so years. So, you know, enjoy that. Um, and then, you know, I, I mentioned it a million times, Larkin cannot do this. We had a rookie taking our team through all you know through the all-star break and uh and just after it and, and you know pretty much the entire season up to it um you cannot rely on a 19 year old to carry the team 
Heisman didn't do it. Uh, even when Gretzky was, uh, was was first drafted in the league, he, he couldn't do it in Edmonton. It took a long time for Edmonton to get going to finally beat the Islanders in the mid-'80s. And, uh, and even Gretzky required a lot of help on the teams he was on. Edmonton, he had Messier, Paul Coffey, Grant Fuhr. In L.A., he had uh, he had Yuri Curry, uh, Luke Robitaille. So, you know, even the best players need some help on those teams. And, uh, and man, oh, man, the Detroit Red Wings have just constantly, constantly uh, missed every opportunity possible um, to, to, you know, either improve their team or rebuild. And, it, and it's shown right now. And my bold prediction right here is Detroit Red Wings, this is the last year. Um, this, this, this year will end it, uh, the, the, the trend in the playoffs. I don't, I don't think this team is going to be in the playoffs. They'll probably be two or three seeds below the, the uh, cutoff mark for the number eight seed. Well, that rant was brought to you by the United States Marine Corps. No, seriously, though, Joe, uh, these last two games pretty much summed up everything that you just said, which was beautiful, by the way. It, getting blown out, it just, it's disgusting. And, you know, you look at some of these teams making moves to the deadline, and the only one is the Red Wings. And uh, it's sad, and it shows, and we just look like a fast team that doesn't know what they're doing. And we're getting... We're going to be at seven now, Tony, and uh, yeah. it's just not looking good. And I'm not going to go as far as to, to agree with your bold predictions. I still think it's the Red Wings, and I'm not going to go against them yet. But I don't think you're wrong to say that. And uh, it saddens me to hear a fan who's uh, so deep into it and so passionate about the team uh, say something like that. You know, and well, uh, it's a damn shame is all I can hey, say. Hey, Joe, I'm with you, number one. Number two, I'd like to bring up. Detroit's the only team currently in the playoffs with a negative goal differential. The only bright shining spot in that is every team below them also has a negative goal differential, so that spot will always be filled by somebody like that. But they're negative eight on goals in the years, which is... They just I, don't score. I just don't get it. They don't score. It's a no, small biscuit and a saying. big basket. The forwards are too small. They're, they're, they get pushed around. It's not going to fly in the playoffs. Listen, if you're going to go to the playoffs, that's great. Compete for the cup. Compete for the damn thing. Let's go win it. But they didn't make a trade to do that. And if you're if you're not going to do anything, then rebuild, sell some players away, make some make some damn cap space, and go after Stamkos in the summertime. He's not going to sign before then. He's not going to sign an, an extension. And this guy's going to be an unrestricted free agent come uh, come July first. So so pick what direction you want to go, and don't just stand back and say no. The deals weren't there. The deals were there. there was Edmonton wants a fire sale. They're going to get another another top pick. They can afford to um, separate themselves with one of these big time uh, top overall picks for someone like a Nyquist and in, like a little a little gift package in order to get like a quality player. You know, we gave up three guys from Brendan Shanahan: Dino Cicerelli, Keith Primo, and Paul Coffey. Three proven players uh, for for one guy. We ended up winning two straight cups and another cup down the road. So uh, it's worked before. It's, it's not like it can't work again. And by not making those moves, what are we left with? You mentioned Nyquist, who did score the one nice goal today. But you got guys like Nyquist, guys like Yurko, Tatar, who are flying to the puck. And, and then in the corners, you just see them getting ragdolled. And we're not winning p- battles in the corner. We're lo- not getting the puck possession like the Red Wings are known to have. And we're getting blown out. I Patrick you know, Kane looks like Gretzky. When this week started, I had high hopes. I thought we were going to lose all three of these games personally after that avalanche win. But then we go out, we beat the Stars 3-2, get blew a late lead there. But, you know, we win it. Anastheo, how do you pronounce his name? However that is. Look like an absolute God, with that dookie put on that guy. Put that guy in. 
rollerblades on the ice. But then we just it's pathetic. Athens to you. Yeah, it's, it's five two and it's not fun to watch at this point and it's gotta turn around. I like I I would like to believe it will, but we got the biggest fan on the show who's who's throwing up the white flag and that's just a sad day in Detroit sports and that's what we're about. And, and you know what? He I, might I, be I the number one fan, but he's also the number one pessimist. When when it when it comes to this type of stuff, I I'd be more than happy to get proven wrong with that bull prediction. I I wish if I could if I could wish for anything, it's just to wish that, that prediction is wrong. Absolutely, because I'd like to see us in the playoff. I enjoy watching playoff hockey, and, and, and sometimes, you know, we surprise people. That'd be great. But, you know, God almighty, I mean, it's just it's just not looking that way. I mean, we won't even call it Mantha, who, by the way, scored uh, some pretty nasty goals of, of late here. And, uh, I mean, the, the guy's dominating in, any, in the AHL, you know, physically. Uh, some of these goals he scores, these, these goalies, uh, professional goalies, uh, I mean, yeah, they're in the minors, but... Uh, you can score pretty easy on him if he's got some space. I mean, it, it, there's a, definitely a talent differential between him and some of these guys. They're not really calling him up. Okinian's just kind of sitting around, not doing anything. We could have we could have moved him. Um, it's just like the Rangers are so afraid that he'll go to some other team and have success. It's like, okay, what are you going to let him just sit here and ride his career away instead of going somewhere else and playing well? And You, you know what I mean? You, we're just too stagnant, you know? We're, we're very dormant, and I'd like to introduce Tony to the show, and I'd like to have him read off the upcoming schedule. Maybe you can give a feedback on whether you think this is going to be a W or an L. So, welcome, Tony. Yeah, I was. I mean, I was just enjoying listening to you guys go back and forth there. One thing I did want to bring up, though, also, with part of the Wings issue, is I would definitely say their power play. Like, even... What power play? Abysmal. Exactly. Zero. Nothing. There is no power play. Yeah. Don't even put him in the damn box. I, I just say leave him out. We're better five on five. I mean, at home on Wednesday, you start. You're just down three nothing before you even fucking put one in the net. I don't. I mean, isn't this a rivalry game? Just because we're in the Eastern Western Conference doesn't mean we don't hate Chicago. I personally like their uniforms, but I consider myself a little bit of a traitor most of the time. It was pathetic. What's even worse is these jackasses think they're hockey town now and stuff, and they're they're having all these hockey events and everything. Speaking and, of uh, that, Joe, did you see the uh, what is it? Pereira Lebrun called Patrick Kane the Magic Man. Pierre Lebrun. Yeah, that little runt. Oh yeah. So well, that goes back to the conversation we had last week about how these NBC guys they're they're just not they're not what they used to be. You know, we used to have uh, used to have some pretty good hockey announcers. Hockey night in Canada is always good, but. I mean that. I mean, I wouldn't read into that too much. Even Patrick Kane said himself after the game. Yeah, I was was say, at least Patrick Kane was, was a man about it. Magic man. I mean, Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane admitted to it. So I mean, you got to got to give him a, a point for that. But uh, he said there's only one Pavel Datsyuk. There's only one Magic man. But these guys on NBC, man, they just they drool over anybody who makes a, a single good play on the ice. You know, it could be some rookie who got called up. You know, as a fourth liner, he makes one good play, and they're gonna they're gonna blow him. On national television, so that's how that goes on NBC. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a joke, man. That's they're ridiculous. All a bunch of drama that's, we're not even going to merit that with discussion. But I was I was I looking at this the schedule though. I just wanted to see what's coming up. Yeah. At the bottom line, we can talk all we want. We're not making moves. The only thing we have is is what's left. So yeah. Well, I mean, one of the reason I want to bring up the power play is they're two for twenty eight in their last nine games, and in their last nine games. They are three 
They only have three wins. And one of those was a meaningless goal. When we one was a shootout out. win, one was an overtime win, and then they had the one in regulation against Colorado. Yeah, I was talking well, about the, the power play goal. The power, the power play has been an issue all year. Yeah. And what, here, here we go again. We don't have a pure goal scorer. We don't have a finisher. And we don't have, a, we don't have anyone who creates any space down low, that which you could get with a pure goal scorer, a big guy, like, uh, like a Max Pacioretty or somebody like that. Uh, there's, there's no threat. The, no, none of the teams respect our power play, so they're going to they're gonna pinch you up at the points, and it's going to make things tough up high. And they don't got to worry about anyone down low because they're not going to do anything. They're not going to create their own space, and they're not going to shoot the puck like, uh, like, like a Stamkos will or anything. So they can, they can, other teams can afford to be very, very uh, tight on the penalty kill. Whereas in the past, if you look at the old Red Wings power plays with guys like Lidstrom and stuff, guys would back off Lidstrom. Lidstrom would go to make a pass, and you watch. He would freeze a forward. Right, right, right there. And if you freeze somebody on the penalty kill and, and cause them to stand still, you can pass the puck wherever you want. A hockey night in Canada, they used to record the passes they had have on a power play. They recorded ten passes, then a tic-tac-toe goal for the Red Wings because they had Lidstrom, Rafalski, uh, guys like that on the points that would freeze people up, and they would just pass the puck around and, and put it in the net. I mean, it was, it was it was a good thing to see, but they don't have anyone like that anymore. They, you know, Cronwell, he's 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 all right. You know, back there in Green, he's okay, but. They they don't they don't force anyone to respect the power play. They don't shoot enough, and they just they don't they don't have that winger. They don't have the big guy to just finish it off, and that's what's killing us. I did like Frank's idea of going over the next, let's say seven games, and so we can see where we're going to be seven games from now. You be the decider, Joe, because you know more than all of us. I tried to get Tony to read it, but I'm at Blue Jackets. Win or loss. What? Let's hear, let's hear the games. Yeah, at Blue Jackets. Yeah, it's at Columbus. Oh, at, at Columbus? Um, I'll, I'll give that a win. I think I think Tortorella's an idiot, so. Uh, home versus the Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg, uh, they traded Andrew Ladd away. Um, so I, I think I think the team kind of is in sell mode. It's too early yet for them to be in It's the Jets. Mode. We won. The win. 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 Uh, I, I, give, I give the trade the, the Winnipeg game. All right. Home versus the Rangers. Rangers. Boss. Home versus the Leafs. God, that's guy I put down down when I don't care. Red, Red Wings. At yeah, Flyers. but that's a back to back. That New York, Toronto, they are at home. Uh, yeah, but don't forget the the Maple Leafs just had a fire sale. I think they're pretty unorganized right now. Yeah, they got they got that young captain in and Neilander uh, up there, but um, if they're on the road, I, I don't know. They might be a little. I think they're True. a little disorganized right now. They they've already kind of sold the season, so. If the Red Wings, if the Red Wings play desperate enough, which they should be at this point, uh, they they should win that one. Okay, so then we got at Flyers. Uh, that's a tough one. Flyers are trying to get in. I'm gonna say fifty fifty on that one. At Blue Jackets. Win. Win. And then at Florida. Florida. So that gives us on the next seven games, we're only going to gain one win. You know, we're going to be four and three. That's not getting us anywhere. Consider the last ten, we're four and six. That puts us at even. Actually, we're still down one in the loss column in our last, like, 17 games. So I agree with you, Joe. I don't think we're going to the playoffs. I don't see how this is going to happen. I don't. Four and three. Oh, did you count, did you count that 50-50 with Philly as a, as a loss? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's say four, two, and one. Four, two, and one. Okay. Four, two, and one. All right, I like it. Attack on a point. So you get a point. I just don't understand. Like, so nine points over seven games. Nine Red Wings are in trouble, games. people. 
How many points? We got 75 points right so, now. The good news is we do have a four-point lead and a six-point lead, but we have a game in hand over Philly. That Philly game might be the decider in the playoffs. That might be able to push us far enough forward. So here, here's the thing, too. We're, we're, we're mad now. We're mad now, and I'm going to say this as caution. I'm going to stick with my prediction because um, I've been I've been mad I've been mad about the Red Wings all year and their inability to finish hockey games as, as well. But here, here's the thing. I'm hoping I'm hoping that these two losses are the difference between us and just another and just a, you know a championship team, a true championship team with the, the top goal scorer in the league. And and the rest of the teams really just are not on the same level as Chicago. And we can we can kind of get back on track against you know Columbus and, and all these other guys um, because are the New York Rangers at the end of the day Chicago? Hell no. Uh, is the Florida Panthers at the end of the day Chicago? Hell no. So the Panthers made some good moves. They're a more dangerous team now than they were. So that's why I gave that game to Florida. But uh, the Flyers didn't really make any moves. We we should we should beat pretty much everybody else on that list except Florida. Florida just I, I just think they're they're riding a high right now. Uh, it would take maybe like a couple big, big issues for them to kind of fall apart here at the end, but you know, I think it's going to happen. Well, that list we just named off, we'll be able to talk about th- your predictions and what where we stand literally in one week on next week's show. So we'll see yeah, where we I are mean, there. But as of now, it's a very, very dark uh, before time. Before we start talking about how crappy the Wings have looked in the last ten games, Joey and I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think the streak's over. I agree with Joe. You guys, what do you think, Tony and Frank? I think they'll squeak in like they have. Oh, you think they're going to squeak in, Tony? I I like the blissful hopefulness. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I mean, they're sitting seventh right now, and they do have a little bit of a a three-one victory. The Wings should go home right now and start golfing. We should be eighth. We should be eighth right now. We are eighth right now. Pittsburgh Pittsburgh blew out their team, and the Red Wings uh, got blown out, and Pittsburgh only one point behind. So they have seventy-six. We have seventy-five. We're in eighth right now, and we're four, four, four ahead of Philadelphia. They got a game in hand that doesn't get them uh, where they, probably you know where they want. I don't. They, I the good news. I don't think Carolina or New Jersey is going to catch us with their sixty. No, Carolina points. won't. Not without Eric Stahl. Uh, it sounds like you guys are backtracking. I think Philly's going to take us. I think we're losing Philly, and it's going to be over. Okay, I don't. I, I'm. I say we're going. I'm not going to say squeak. I'm not going to say anything like that. I'm just going to say that uh, I think that we'll get in the playoffs, and that's just a period at the end of that. But is I it a period or an exclamation point? It's a period, not an exclamation point. But I did want to say one last thing before we switch it up. Howard getting yanked early after two goals. Morazic. Or Morazic, I'm sorry. Morazic getting yanked after two goals. One being on the power play within the first, I think, less than ten minutes. What do we think about that? And uh, goaltending like obviously is going to be huge. Yeah. I think at one point we had a great goalie and we had a crappy goalie on our team, and now it looks like we. I'm watching the replay right now of us just didn't score on So honestly. we got Sybil in that, and, and we're not scoring goals. That's yeah. just. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, Rez again is running the sun. If, if, if Rez turns around, we might win a playoff series, but mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to make it. Great. I think we will. We're divided. A show divided. Two young guns we'd like to talk about one who scored today and one who did not score today. We're going to go Perrinin. Is that how you pronounce it? Perrinin. Panarin. Panera Bread or Larkin? Panera Who bread. do we think's better? <laughs> Are we doing that next? Idiot. Oh, we're talking about that right now, Frank. Oh, we're still going. Okay. You could have said RSF. <laughs> Just said RSF. So, we're, but. We're, we're talking Calder race. So, yeah. here's the thing. There's, there's, the, there's the age difference, which I think is kind of uh, kind, kind of BS, you know. And one's on a line with the league top scorer, and the other is on a line by himself pretty much. So, um 
You know, yeah. I, I personally, I think Larkin should win it. He went to the All-Star game, Panarin didn't. Um, Larkin is the fastest gear in the NHL, Panarin's not. And, uh, you know, if Larkin wasn't getting dependent on so much, I mean, here, here's the thing. The guy's a rookie, and he's going cold right now because that's what rookies do. They're inconsistent. Uh, they, they show a lot of promise in future. But God almighty, you cannot put the entire team on his back. I mean, Christ's sakes, I, I bet you Datsuk had a couple cold streak, but no one noticed because we had all the other players we had. You know, and if yeah. Aaron went cold, no one would, no one would really give it give a shit because uh, Tavares and, and Kane they got it. You know, what I mean, and Hosa. Um, so I mean, that, that that's the difference right there. Is is, is Larkin's Larkin's uh, slight slight derail from the tracks right now is uh, is big time is a big time deal. And if you know if you were to keep going hot, I'd say Larkin because he's carrying a team. Panarin's not. Panarin's on the back of the league's top goal scorer, so he's going to have his assists up there. Um, if you didn't have Kane on the line or, or somebody else like that, his assists and his goal scoring would not be as high. I mean, Kane's a fantastic hockey player. Um, you know, he's not the magic man, but he's he's pretty he's in his prime right now. He's he's the best he's going to be in his career. Um, so it, it, that's that's just how it is. I think that's a little bit of a cop out, Joe. I think I, I think Panarin's probably going to take it, but uh, it's pretty much just saying the Red Wings suck. Is what you just said, and I mean, we—I know we're we're dogging on him, but I think Larkin started off hot, and I—I I mean, he kind of died off. This Panarin guy—I don't know—he does have Patrick Kane, but we got some players that can get to get Larkin the puck too. And this Panarin guy's out there scoring goals. He had one that got tipped in today. He just looks like the overall playmaker. They showed the stats. He's got more goals, more assists, better overall stats. Yeah, he's not as fast, but I guess. But he's got thirty-nine points, right? Larkin does. Yeah. Guess how many. Panera Brett has a lot more, like fifty nine. I just lost the web page that had fifty nine. I don't even think it's close. The guys didn't they call him up last year in the playoffs? He was scoring goals. Is this the same person? No, no, he's no, a no, rookie. No, no. That's uh, ter- that was Teravainen. Oh, that was Teravainen. Okay, all these four names I can never keep them straight. But yeah, no, I think I think to say Larkin's better is just hometown pride. I would trade him straight up right now. But I mean, when I'm looking at this, oh, no, 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 oh no, no, not no, over. No. I'm not talking long term. Not a lifetime. Not a lifetime. I've never. I wouldn't trade, trade him. I'm just saying who's better right here and now. That's I mean, one of the things that I'm looking at with this is you got to think back to the 09, uh 2010 Calder race. Who was the runner up that year? He has 61 points. James Howard. It was Howard, and the reason Howard was runner up and not the winner when everybody thought he should be the winner was a bunch of these guys wouldn't vote for him because he was 25, because he was so old. Panarin's 24. Panarin's been playing pro hockey for seven years in Russia. He, yeah, that, that's Larkin has six games at the pro level before Dude, the, the KHL the is year. not on the same level as the NHL. So that's still... Well, they do have NHL players over there. They got Kolchuk. They, uh, they got a few of those guys. No, they have KHL players over there. Yeah, but right. I'm just saying the level of competition he's been playing against for the last seven years versus Larkin... It's completely oh, the different. level of competition is better, but this is both their first year in the NHL. One is 61 points, one is 39. Okay, but Wayne Gretzky didn't win rookie, was not eligible to win rookie of the year his first year in the NHL. Well, it was the 80s. Did you see that? Or the 70s? Where was Gretzky a rookie? On the KHL. It's because he started out in the, in the WHA. The, yeah, the WHA, and after the merger. WHA folded. Yeah, and they merged with. Uh, the NHL, and but because he played in the WHA, which was considered a major professional league, he was not eligible to be the NHL Rookie of the Year, even though he sent 
Like all the NHL rookie records. Well, Panarin is eligible. I mean, maybe you can argue that in another time, but I, I just think that here and now, the better player is him. If he's eligible, I think he'd get it over Larkin as much as I'd hate to say otherwise. I, I don't know, man. I, 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 think, I think he's got the Hart player, uh, this year's Hart Trophy winner on his line, and that, that's what's getting him those points. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing Larkin, who, as we've talked about a lot, he's a rookie who's basically carrying his team. There's no carrying. Carrying his team where? Carrying them to the golf course? Carrying their clubs for them? You... When's the last time he scored? Yeah, anybody yeah, got yeah, it? Right. Doesn't matter. I'm just saying, like, look at the Here, first the three months of the year. Here's the thing. We're not getting I, I carried anywhere. Greg, I agree with you to a, I, I agree with you to a point. Zetterberg has played with Larkin on a line for some extended period of time. But Zetterberg is not gonna be up for the hard trophy this year. He's gonna be a candidate, he's not gonna be close. Kane's well, gonna win it. So, Kane's the best player in the National Hockey League. So, right like now. I said, the, we're pretty much saying the Red Wings aren't good. Then it's the Red Wings' fault that he's not gonna win the Calder. Yeah. All right. Well, then the Red Wings. We, then yeah. I don't think, worse. I think it's, it's worse than fault. we thought, boys. It's worse than we thought. I love Larkin. I love that little fast dynamo. But it's not. It's not. It's it's not anybody's fault. You can't blame right. him or the this team. This is getting confrontational. The show is divided twice now. It's oh, gotten divided right, twice. Dude, one team, one guy's on a team that's in first place. One Listen. might not make the playoffs. I don't think it's even a question. Listen, if we're gonna go off of stats, if we're going off of stats alone, who should win the damn Calder Trophy? Okay, yeah, it's Panarin because he's got the he's got fucking Patrick Kane on his line. We don't have Patrick. Yeah, Patrick Kane taking goals away from him, man. We got Zetterberg. We got Dance. We got all these guys who are supposed to be the next coming of Brett Hall and Luke Robitaille. <laughs> Seriously, Patrick Kane isn't taking away shit. From this guy, you know how many assists Patrick Kane has? Where do you think half is a Cisco to Panarin? Where do you think Panarin's a Cisco to Patrick Kane? Because he can finish. That's where it's going. It's Kane. So you're saying people can't finish on the wings? So why don't you move to Chicago? I'm not moving to Chicago. That shit fucking. Hi there. I said it. This guy, he's all over the place. He's dissing the Red Wings. Oh, and now he's going to defend it. He's going to stick to his guns and defend the rookie. And then he's going back and forth. This guy's seesawing his way from Washington. Listen. Larkin's the fastest skater in the league. He went to the All-Star game. I told you he should have won. The Calder yeah, he beat him in a race. He beat him in a race. This is getting heated. I'm getting amped up. It's the first there time in this show the show's had a little buzz. Well, the only thing that Larkin's going to beat him in is the freaking little skate race, all right? One time the show got some pulse. During the All-Star game. What? Panarin makes the All-Star game. What about the All-Star game? Did Panarin make the All-Star game? All-Star games are for losers. Well, I think that has something to do with the Red Wings only having one All-Star. pretty damn good to me. Well, he looked good last night, or tonight, and Wednesday, or whatever. Yeah, was it Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, he looked pretty good. He had like six points against us in two games, maybe four or five, but I'm exaggerating. Coach Patrick Kane, isn't that a bitch? Ain't that a coincidence? Well, I guess the Wings suck. Happen to be on the same line. How does that work? We could do this all day. It's a, it's a divided show today. I don't know what to tell you. All right. We'll be back in about... What is he... He's yelling. He's yelling. Brad Richards, that's... A, and, a, and another rookie? That's not even comparable. Whoa. Who's helping out Larkin? Well, tell Illich. Tell Illich. I'm, I'm like Carmelo now. Talk to the owner. I want to talk to the owner. Me too. Get married next summer. I could use a check. All right. <laughs> we talking okay. Upset City or what are we doing next? We come back. We're gonna talk about UFC. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna calm down a little bit. Get some water here. I'm fired uh, up about the UFC too. Oh yeah, it's only gonna get up. worse. It's gonna be a bloodbath, just like it was last night. 
All right, welcome back to RSF. Last segment got a little bit heated. We're looking to keep the party going. Well, you're making one of our key members move to Chicago. I'm not right. sure well, what. That's going to be. Hey, our... if he's in Chicago, he's closer. We'd all like that, but we'll, we'll keep that in our Dropbox. That was a classic segment. I think that's going to get uh, get a lot of fans get a lot of fans uh, motor running. But last night in the U- yeah, more where that came from. The last night was upset hey. city in the UFC. Uh, in particular, it was two fights. Female was Misha Tate upsetting Holly Holm in the fifth round by chokeout, which I predicted. And uh, the Mystic Mac, Conor McGregor, losing to Nate Diaz in a big, big upset. And there's much to talk about. It was a really eventful night, a lot of bloodshed and a lot of, a lot of action. And uh, with that, I'm going to pop it over to Tony, who's our ambassador of UFC Affairs. And he's going to kind of break it down. Joe didn't actually see the fights, but he's going to get informed a little bit, and we're going we're gonna to dance for you. So, Tony? Yeah, I mean, I am kind of our resident expert on UFC, because I, okay, I said it, that. So. Yeah. Thank you, Thank that, you. Frank. Doing your own horn? Wow. Hey. Just a little point here, Tony. I'm just glad uh, Frank goodness. actually recognized I have some knowledge about something, but uh, also it is, Conor McGregor is the Notorious, is his nickname, but... Wow. Alright, well, we all are bowing at you now, Tony, so why don't you go before we revoke this title you have. <laughs> Alright, so... Loser. So our co-main so co- event last night, Jesus. Holly Holm, Misha Tate for the women's Bantamweight title. And that was the title that was held by Ryan Rousey until Holly Holm knocked her out. And then with Rousey taking a little bit of time off, you got Misha Tate stepping in. And a lot of people thought Holm... Because she beat Rousey, Rousey had beaten Tate twice already, that it was a pretty much guaranteed Home was going to get a win. And we saw Home win the first round, lost the second round, won the third and the fourth, and then the fifth, she was looking pretty good, then she got taken down and choked out. One thing that I did find interesting was I saw some pictures floating around online of the judges' scorecards from that fight, where they actually scored that second round where... Tate took her down and almost submitted her a few times as a 10-8 round. So if Misha Tate hadn't finished that fight in the fifth round there and Holm would have just been able to hang on, we probably would have seen a fight that went to a draw and therefore Holm would have retained the title. And, I mean, as a fight fan, I don't know why. I mean, I like the fact that Holm was engaging, but at the same time I'm looking at her strategy questioning why she did that. Because she put herself in a position where she's putting herself at risk. Where I a lot of fighters nowadays, when they know they're up on the scorecards, they're going to sit there and they're not going to take any risks. They're going to make sure that they don't set themselves up to be put in a bad position to get hit with a lucky shot that's going to knock them out. And they're just going to sit there, win it on points, and move on. Well, you see it a lot more, wouldn't you say, a lot more within wrestlers finding a way to stall than, than boxers? Well, I mean, you see Bazing do it all the time. He just sits there and works guys on the end of his jab. Huh. That's yeah. I, she could have, but I mean, I guess good competitors like Holly Holm. I think she's a great competitor. I think that uh, you know they tell you to always stay busy and work, and I think she just follows the rules. And she did, and she got caught. But I mean, I see where you're definitely seeing. Yeah, well, I mean, part of it was she was working to try and finish that fight and to get that knockout because she wanted you know the exclamation point of the finish on the fight, so there was no doubts about whether or not she I, was the best. See, you know, I don't think that Holm was trying to knock her out in the fifth round. I think that Tate was being so aggressive, she had no choice but to go to the ground, 
And she already lost that round 10-8 in the second to on the ground. And when it went down the second time, I think Holm was gassed. Personally, I think she thought she was going to KO in the first, second, and third. And she she looked gassed. Her belly was going in and out. Early in the fight, she was staying toned, running between rounds. But after the second, she got demoralized. And that's just ha- what happens to fighters. It's also what happened to McGregor. I mean, he only lasted two. He lost in the second, right? Yes, he did. Yes. Okay, just making sure I wasn't wrong there, but... He just couldn't handle on the ground. I think we saw two strikers last night lose to the ground to people who aren't necessarily that and they both overwhelmingly am- amazing. I was fatigued. I think McGregor thought he was going to knock him out in 16 seconds again. He came out. He purposely ate some shots in the first round, which I thought was stupid. He laughed in his face, and he had Diaz bleeding everywhere. If he could have just kept peppering him and staying back, he would have won the fight for sure, but he just couldn't. They both got tired, and they both got choked out. Both of the rear nakeds. I think... I think part of the strategy for McGregor was to try and get him out early because, I mean, he did fight up two weight classes and a bigger guy. Uh, he can wear you out with the size. And it's not like he's fighting some chump. He's fighting a guy who, you know, who's, who's pretty good at his weight class and uh, was worthy enough for a fight with McGregor, um, who's at the top of his game right now. So, I mean, that, I think that's tough. I think I think the biggest thing was to, to get him out early so he didn't have to worry about this bigger guy weighing on him in the, you know, the fourth or fifth round. Uh, or the third round, even you know, it wasn't a title fight, right, Tony? It, it wasn't a title fight, round. but it was five rounds because it was the okay, main so event. It was five rounds. Okay, so you got to imagine a, a that much bigger of a guy uh, in the fifth round. You used to guys a lot smaller. Um, it, it's gonna he's gonna become pretty heavy come the fifth round. So I think I think his strategy had to <clears throat> had to have been to get him out early, mostly because too he has that striking ability to get guys out early. Um, and then with Holly Holmes, I mean, you know, she, she's not Ronda Rousey. And that, that's my big question for you guys is what now for Ronda Rousey? I mean, you got, you got a title, a new title holder now. Um, Holly Holmes, you know, we don't, we don't know what's in store for her now. I and mean, we'll see with her next fight. But I mean, is the next fight now Holly Holmes and Ronda Rousey for sure. And then off to the title for the winner of that fight. I think Tate has to defend her title against somebody and maybe in the same event, put Rousey, Home and then whoever wins that one gets another shot at the title. The talk that I've been hearing, that I've been seeing and hearing, is it's gonna. Oh, be you had lunch with Dana White? No, I didn't. I'm not. I'm just saying like, the stuff I'm seeing. You know, on the Tony's breaking bread with Frankie I'm, and Lorenzo. <laughs> I wish, but uh, no. I mean, the stuff that you're seeing on all the internet sites and everything, and all the rumors that float around out there, is that it's gonna be Tate and uh, Rousey fighting for a third time here for the title. Which I think it's a move that the UFC probably will do because that's soft. I think that's but soft. it puts Rousey, who everybody was saying should have got, who everybody thought should get a rematch against home because everybody now thinks when you lose a title you should automatically get a rematch, even when you get knocked out like she did. But it gives her a chance to beat to face somebody who she's so beaten twice. Rousey gets kicked so- in the face by Holmes. Holmes gets pretty much dominated on the ground by Tate, but Rousey gets the shot at the title again over Holmes, who freaking... That's good for the UFC, because Rousey gets her belt back. Yeah, right? Rousey gets her belt back, and then Holmes gets a win, and then you put them back together. That's, that's not fair. I think Misha Tate, like- and she's the hottest one of them all. Not to be sexist, but that's that's not fair to Misha, because she put her heart... I saw the interviews before, during, or the fight during, and then after. She put her heart and soul into that, and that's, that's, that's screwing her over. For hard Honestly, how, how it should be Damn. is how they used to do it is the, the next number one contender who is not the, the last person to lose the title um, should, should be the next next contender to fight the champ. I mean, 
that, that's how it used to be. Like, yeah, and, and you're right, Tony. Like, all of a sudden, it's just like just because you lost the title and you get this automatic rematch. Like, what? No, no you lost. You gotta, you gotta work your way back. If up anything, Holly should get the rematch because she went at five. I say Misha Tate should train, and soon Holmes was asked the question last night. I saw the interview. She asked the question: Do you want to take some time, or do you want to get back in there? She said, "I want to get back in there. Let's do this." Quote. So I think Tate should get deserves to sit back a little bit, not too long, and have Holm and Rousey go at it, which would everyone wants to see. If Rousey yeah. after the whole suicide and all, or the wanting to kill herself, all that that's great. That's good for the UFC. That's a money making fight, even though it's not for a belt. And then winner faces the champion who earned it last night, rightfully and fairly so. I think. Yeah, I agree with Frank on that one. Yeah, I actually agree. That was what I was gonna say. You know what I mean? Is I mean that's, that's what I would like to see is you know. That way you got a person who's coming off a win, and if you do need to put somebody in there, uh, there was the fight that led off the main card, which, I mean, we weren't going to really get into, but uh, Amanda Nunez, she won that fight. She was considered the number four ranked um, bantamweight, so yeah. you can always throw, if, you, if Misha Tate says, I want to fight... You can always throw her in there against Misha Tate. Winner faces the winner of Oh, yeah. Holly I Holmes think Misha Tate should fight, too. I think she should fight. She in could. Also, she could fight in the same fucking card for all I care. Give her a cake because walk, though. She's, she's got to stay busy, you know? And I think I think with some of these champs is they don't... They might not stay busy enough, you know? And so, I mean, we, she, you know, she's going to wait for Holly Holmes and Ronda Rousey to fight. Uh, and for her to stay cold, I mean, you could definitely assume that the winner of the, the Holmes and Rousey fight... We're we'll probably be Tate if she, if she just sticks, you know, just just kind of lingers and enjoys the, you know, the the luxuries of being the champ. But I mean, uh, it'd be in, I think it'd be in Tate's best interest to stay busy and maybe fight like a tune-up fight, um, while uh, Holmes Holmes and Rousey kind of kind of kind of get ready so she can fight that tune fight and get ready for for a real super match. I agree, and uh, yeah. th- you know, if we if we knew all the answers, they'll get it right. If we knew all the answers, we wouldn't be doing this for a living, but. Uh, you know, but uh, speaking of champs, we asked, "What about what's Ronda Rousey going to do? What about McGregor? He's still a champ. And he's going to go fight Aldo again, I believe, right? Oh, he, so no, he's either fighting Aldo or Edgar. Was, he's got to go defend that one forty-five. Yeah, now, now. he's got to go defend his one forty-five, and then maybe go back up. But I think a lot of mystique's gone with him. I've always thought that like his rise had a lot to do with more of his mouth and his actual fights. And I know he beat Aldo, but Aldo went ten years without losing. He was washed up by the time." He beat all though. Mm. Uh, I, I think this that. was I think this was McGregor staying busy and fighting a guy he wasn't necessarily training for. Um, I think McGregor like, got exposed on the ground a great deal last night, and I don't think it's something you can learn in six months. It didn't even go maybe, to the ground. I mean, he got exposed on the ground by Chad Mendez, and he beat Chad Mendez. There's people that argue that Chad Mendez would have won that fight if the referees let it go. He dominated the first round, first two. First Until two. he got knocked out with like 10 seconds left in the second round. Okay, yeah, so he dominates two rounds on the ground and gets caught by a shot. Connor's out there catching shots. That's just as lucky as catching yeah. a choke. Yeah, I'm just saying he was supposed to be this great phenom of a fighter, our next Silva, because that's what they need in the UFC is the next Silva. Yeah. And he's just not. As dumb as I think Diaz sounds a lot, and, I mean, you can't even understand him half the time, but he did make some good points, and it's similar to what you're saying, Gerard. He, he was saying that I think uh, he doesn't blame Connor for kind of taking advantage of the whole time and place. And I think Connor's a tremendous boxer, a good fighter, obviously. But I think a lot of it was time and place and the fact that he's Irish, like Diaz was saying. 
and just a lot of uh, a lot of it was just a perfect storm for McGregor. And I think last night really maybe it humbled him actually, but I mean just watching it as a McGregor fan, it humbled me because I mean they built it up for him to just be this impenetrable force. And uh, it, it was just sad to see, man. He was he got beat, man. He got he got yeah. tired and he got beat down. He admitted in his post fight interview that he came out and he even admitted he's like, I came out and I wanted to put this fight away early and I uh, wasted too much of my energy in the first round. And he's like, and by the end of the second round, I had nothing left. Yeah, because he was throwing those spinning kicks. And he was throwing, I mean, you don't think about it because you just expect that to be like robots out there. But uh, he was throwing a lot of shots that didn't land on, on top of the ones. And don't get it twisted. He landed some shots. Uh, Diaz was a bloody mess for those of you guys out there who didn't see the fight itself. But he was hitting them. And he looked, he looked like the better fighter, but he just gassed out. Yeah. And uh, he was missing a lot. He was hitting a lot. And at the end, he was just getting drilled and his arms weren't even up on a lot of those and then that one that one two shot that they showed over and over again is the one that really really got him and it wasn't even as much as the, uh, like Mendez exposed him on the ground for sure but in this fight I mean he sh- I mean even Diaz said it too in the post post fight you know he's like oh I'm the black belt in jiu-jitsu and this guy's shooting at me what is he a wrestler now and that's when he knew it was over because I mean once it was on the ground it was just over like literally over I'm not. I'm not going to put McGregor away. I'm not going to be disappointed in him no. or anything. He's still a I champion. Just, I just want to say. I just want to say this. There's a reason why there's weight classes, and he moved up too. Yeah. There's a reason why yeah. there's weight classes. You never saw. You never see GSP move up to light heavyweight. Um, and he he was at welterweight for a long time. He's very very dominant. GSP didn't but, make an appearance last night. Could he be making a comeback? I don't know. There's always talk that him and Dana White are You know who is making a comeback? We got a little DCJJ action coming up, I hear. John Jones is off the cocaine back in the ring. I'm just saying, though, I'm just saying that there's a reason why there's a reason why those guys don't move up to weight classes. Like, the, the physical nature of it is is, is they're, they're good fighters, too, and they just weigh a lot more, and they can, they can throw their body mass on a little bit better. Um, it's obviously different when they fight within their weight class, but when you fight a lighter guy, you, you just have a little bit more, a uh, little bit more on him. I mean, if you can stick it out in those first couple rounds of taking those those quick punches, the guy's gonna get worn out trying to push around a bigger dude. It's just it's just how it works. Um, well, they're just not used to it. It's a different fight. It's something they didn't plan for uh, as well as they as, as if they had a, a real scheduled fight. You know, like especially a championship fight where he probably was. Um, you know, just I, I don't know. I, I, I think uh, I think McGregor is that guy. I just think it was a uh, is a, a shitty fight for him to take. It's not going to get easier for him either. I mean, you saw a couple of the broadcasters last night. They had uh, Frankie Edgar on there, and uh, I mean, something's got to happen with Dos Anjos, who's still the champion. There's a lot of guys now, especially now that he's got exposed. I mean, he's got some. You know, he's got some mental strength to show if he's got it in him. He's, he's got to, you know, really check himself now because all that trash talk. He made the quote in his, right in the ring, right after the loss, uh, you know, I'm humble in victory and defeat, which, I mean, it's easy to say, but, I mean, he's talking about, you know, in his fights, banging guys. He's like, oh, I left three bodies in the desert in Vegas and bouncing, collecting heads, and I collected Mendez's head, and, you know, I don't think he was very humble. And now, you know, now that he's lost, he's got guys that want to fight him, and he's proved not to be... Invincible, so we'll see about that. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. And he tapped fast, man. Oh, that was another thing. Yeah, he did tap very quickly. I, obviously, he's not soft. He's an MMA fighter, but when he gets on the ground, he looked lost yesterday, man. I personally was rooting for him because I had certain things on the line. You know what I mean? But 
I was scared when we went to the ground Diaz, who, from what, all I could gather, is a bum. I don't really know that much about the UFC, but he's not in title contention anywhere. No. I mean, he's a guy who, he'll float around, like, the 5 to 10 range of the rankings, maybe get up to, like, third if he gets on a win streak, but then when he fights one of the top guys, he loses. I mean, he's a, he's a good, solid fighter, but he's not in that upper echelon of elite fighters. Is this the same Diaz that got uh, got his head split in half by BJ Penn with that, that flying knee? No, that was Joe Stevenson who got his head split open by BJ Penn. No, 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 Diaz. Like right down, right down the middle of his forehead. That was Nate Diaz, wasn't it? That was Nick. Nick Diaz fought BJ Nate Penn, Diaz. but okay, Nick Diaz right. is the one who just beat up BJ Penn and left his face a bloody mess. Okay, Jesus Christ, that'd be like six years ago now. Yeah, um, Nick Diaz, I think, is suspended again for uh, drug use. Looking definitely. Okay. It's like a five-year suspension, but he's never come back. Yeah, yeah but, uh, that's a long, that's a long Yeah, I mean, so like we were saying, I mean, next up for McGregor is going to be either Jose Aldo, if he wants to fight, or Frankie Edgar. He's going to be fighting at 145 to defend that belt. And I think with this loss... He's going to have to wait a couple fights. going to have to defend that belt a couple times at 145 before the UFC is going to let him jump up to lightweight and face Dos Anjos or whoever is the title holder at that time in the lightweight division. Yeah, because he can't pick his own terms now that he's lost. Yeah, I mean, he's got that loss. He's got a, he has that nice contract extension where his base pays a million dollars. But so he's going to have to go back to him to defend that 145 belt. I think they'll probably just kind of go right ahead first, give it to Aldo, which, I mean, a lot of that's going to depend on where Aldo's head's at after getting knocked out so quickly, and also where McGregor's head's at after getting submitted. I think that's going to determine a lot with that fight. And then, if Aldo's not ready, it's probably going to be Frank Edgar. And I just, honestly, I mean, if I had to pick that fight right now, I'd take Edgar over McGregor because Edgar's a guy who's a lot like Mendez. He's a grinder. He's got great wrestling, but he's got better striking than Mendez does because he just knocked out Mendez as well. That's how he kind of got his number one contender spot. And I would, if I was picking that fight, I would pick Edgar over McGregor right now, probably by decision. But at the same time, I mean, when you're trying to take Conor McGregor to a decision, that leaves you a lot of... Chances where you're going to have to probably risk taking a hard shot that could put you on the canvas and knock you out and end your night really quick. Well, we'll be talking about that as it comes along. That's going to be a little bit down the line, but uh, definitely a very, uh, very exciting night. I had a very, the first few fights were okay, but those last two, the co-main event and the main event, were very exciting and there were definitely upsets. One I enjoyed and one I didn't so much, but. Um, it was great. You know, it was a good. It was a good fight. I personally like seeing champions go down, but I was rooting for a Holmes at least win one after she knocked Rouse out. Because I personally like Rousey's attitude. We yeah. also know why you wanted McGregor to win. Okay, rhymes rhymes with rash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, well, uh, McGregor does run his mouth a little bit too much last time he got shut up. But I hope the best for both of them. I hope they're both back in champions again. Personally, depending on who they're fighting. But way too early predictions. Who you guys got? DC or John Jones? John Jones. Frank? I, I'd have to look more into it, but I'll just say not. I don't like John Jones, so I'll say the other guy. Daniel Cormier? Cormier. You got Cormier or Jones, Classic? He did look fat last night. Jones. Uh, 
who doesn't like a little Peruvian marching powder? I got my man John Jones. I mean, John hey. Jones already beat him once until he... Wasn't that questionable, though? Wasn't no. there some... I've... No. There was no question. Jones just beat him up. All right. I think uh, we've talked to UFC to about as much of a pulse as McGregor had last night. Oh, that <laughs> chick did get us. Uh, she passed out in the ring, unlike McGregor, who tapped out. But Shoot we're going to move down. Yeah, get some, yeah home didn't tap. Got some she exciting fan response to actually talk about this week. We got a question specifically for Frank. Yippee. Comes to us from Cody in Miami Beach, Florida. Oh, we're getting fans all and over it's, the country uh, now, aren't we? How happy are you that Holly won? And does it outweigh how sad you are that the Mystic Mac, notorious MMA, Conor McGregor lost. Okay, uh, that's for me specifically. You specifically, Frank. Okay. Out of nowhere, right? Right, well, it's just proven that our fan base is broadening. But, uh, okay, well, I was looking forward to the Tate home fight ever since I found out who home was and when she knocked out Rousey. And even though I'm not a big Rousey fan, um, when she knocked her out, I just developed this mysterious disdain for Holly Holm. I don't like her. I think she looks like a man. Uh, Payson even embedded into my head last night that she uh, looks like the Russian from Rocky, and we all know how that worked out, and I don't like him either. So Brigitte Nelson? Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I don't like Holly Holm. sticky feet on our end. I saw uh, Misha Tate interviews and uh, pre-fight conferences and stuff like that, and I developed a really big liking for her. So I was super, super happy to see her win. And even though I was uh, bummed out about the McGregor, uh, the McGregor loss, uh, sorry, these guys, it's like I'm playing with, doing radio with kids <laughs> over here, uh, but I th- I'd have to say I was more happy to see Tate get the W than McGregor take the loss, even though I was pulling for McGregor. That's I didn't a respectable opinion, Frank. I like what you're saying. Yeah, I would have made it more clear if you guys weren't grabbing each other's bleep words over here, but yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to make sure that that uh, the group. The question was directed to you, not us, Frank. It's our yeah. listeners that want the response, not me. I don't care what you think about the one. I can't think when you guys are flirting. But um, what's next with the fans? We got anything else, or? That's... We'll take a quick break. We got one more fan thing. It's a little bit more of an issue for all of us that we're going to talk about. Okay, we'll, we'll be back. R S F. There we go. And we're back. Uh, all right, boys. So Gerard uh, has, has one more uh, fan mail, I believe. Uh, recently, South Louisiana Tech and some issues going down there in uh, the deep South Louisiana. Uh, some people just don't know how to handle their money. Gerard, tell me what we got. All right, this comes my uh, a little response came out to us from NYC. It's about it's about Louisiana in general, not just Louisiana Tech, but the state's in a budget crisis, so they're taking away from this top scholarship program, and then they're gonna lose twenty million dollars, and it means at one point they might have had to shrink the athletic program at La Tech because they wouldn't have enough athletes, right? So this article got me thinking after reading it. First thing of all, I think it's horrible when East State is bankrupt. But I have two questions for you guys and myself in general. And that's, the first, should states be responsible for funding athletic scholarship programs? And the second, at La Tech, what they're doing to cover for it is taking money out of their general fund to cover the scholarships that will be cut. So is it fair to take money that should otherwise be going to academics maybe books for students, improvements on campuses, and giving them to the sports programs to keep them running. So, Joe, what do you think? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in between on that because of this. The school itself obviously you know, helps uh, fund, fund the uh, athletic program, and the state helps fund the school. 
blah, 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 you know, the, the, the way the money flows. But the, the thing is this, is the school is promising kids academic scholarships uh, and, and, and full ride scholarships to play football there with the principal and purpose, and I, I get it, I know it's violated by multiple schools, but the whole purpose of this is a lot of these guys, they get their way into college through their athletics, and then that's how they receive a college education is by playing football and receiving that scholarship, which they would not be able to afford if they do not play football. So I do agree with pulling money from somewhere else, wherever it is, to allow these kids to play football, to earn their, uh, their, their, their right to be in a university. Because if it's not for their football talents and their football skills, they're not going to school, who knows what they're doing, or they're off somewhere else to school. So that there's, there's another thing is, okay, sure, these guys could go somewhere else to school, you know, who will give them a scholarship and, and pay for their education with other means. And it's Louisiana's, uh, you know, fault they're, they're in debt and whatnot. But, uh, hey, you, you know what? He's at school because he plays football, and that's how he's getting his education. So, sure, why not? Uh, uh, use what you have to use to, to keep the kid in school there. Well, and you also got to look at where it's at. I mean, if uh, no offense, guys, but I mean it's Louisiana. I mean, it's they're not doing much learning anyways. So, I know what you're saying. So I mean, I'm, I didn't want to go there. Do you think it is the state's responsibility to provide some athletic scholarships? I think the state gives money, money for me, yeah, money general? to the school, and I think that uh, I mean it'd be disingenuous. I'll say is the most polite word I can think of to say that the schools shouldn't give it to the the athletic department or the athletics itself and scholarships because. Come on, guys. It's just that's just how it works. That's, that's my opinion. I'm old school. It happens more than we probably even realize, and we're aware of it. I just think, especially in a place like Louisiana, you're not going to stop it. So you might as well just. I think it's a very valid point, Frank. Honestly, and that's one of the better ones you've made today. Thanks. Thank <laughs> for you, me, I, I mean, <laughs> for what me, do you think, I, big boy. When I look at Go it, back to Panera Bread. Yeah. <laughs> Go back to Chicago. Yeah. Fuck off. All right, but language. So, <laughs> but so, as I was saying, I mean, we're, what we're talking about here is public universities. Therefore, they're primarily state-funded. And I know here in Michigan, I'm not sure how it works in Louisiana, The a lot of these decisions are made by a board of regents, which is elected by the, by the constitution of the state, by people who vote in the elections in the state. So, therefore, it's one of those things where... I don't have an issue with it from the standpoint of if the Board of Regents is deciding to do this, they still have to answer to the people when they're up for re-election. And therefore, also, it's a primarily state-funded organ, or state-funded did, uh, university anyway, so pretty much all the money they're getting is from the state. And when you're looking at football programs and athletics in general, I mean... One thing we always talk about is football is a huge sport. It, it's where a lot of these schools bring in a ton of money is through their football programs especially and athletics in general. And I've heard studies where the teams that you see playing for national championships, playing in the Premier Bowl games, their, uh, the number of applications and everything are higher the year after an appearance in a national championship Versus years when they weren't in national championships. So therefore, these football programs are bringing in money in other ways than just through the game. Because of the fact that a lot of these schools... Yeah, yeah, you have increased enrollment. Plus, a lot of schools charge an application fee when you're applying to go there. 
So, I mean, it's they are generating revenue for the program. So, for me, I have no issue with it <coughs> because technically almost all that money at the school is already coming from the state anyway. So, in terms of this topic, we have a couple consensuses. Louisiana's budget situation is about as messed up as Flint's water. States should give us the athletic money, which I agree with, and the school should cover it. They are promised scholarships, so they should cover it, and you're allowed to give out so many. So we're all in agreement. And now we'll move on to what is coming up next week, and it's going to be even more exciting than this week. We got brackets coming out next week. Get your pencils ready, your pens if you got some brave nuts on you. All right. I mean, I'll be rooting for State the whole way through. Hopefully they're taking it down. Denzel guaranteed it, just like my man Mateen Cleaves. But we're going to show our brackets. We'll probably pick the winners out of each region, go over the interesting first-round matchups. Then we're going to come up with our own bracket brought to you by us truly. It's going to be our booty bracket, as promised in previous episodes, best butts in sports. We'll break it down. Hopefully about 16 contestants start with a sweet-ass 16, as I like to call it. And then, I'm very excited for that. Guys, another thing out there in listener land, this, this is something you don't want to miss next week and weeks to come because – you're seeing uh, an uprise, and hence the name of the show, Revolutionary Sports Takes. And we're getting calls and requests in from New York, Miami, Louisiana. They're, they're coming from all over the nation. If you have a Texas, bracket you would like us to do, Texas. like Texas. maybe best talk, and we'll do any bracket you want next week. We'll bracket, I can make a bracket on pretty much any topic. You send me a topic, I'll make a bracket, we'll fucking bust it down. Rank them up, seed them, see who wins in every category. This is the cusp of greatness, people. They call March Madness for a reason. Hopefully I don't have any hair left by the end of it. Buzzer beaters and booties. <laughs> All right, Gerard's going to take his blood pressure pills, and Tony's going to talk about uh, what pays our bills on this show. <laughs> All right, so as always, you can find this show on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you for downloading, listening, and subscribing. Uh, you can leave us reviews on iTunes and Stitcher to let us know how we're doing. We're on Facebook. Unless they're mean. Don't tell us if we're doing bad. Well, I mean, if, we're, if they don't like something they can do, it's called constructive criticism. You tell us how we can improve so we can like it better. But if everybody else tells us that you're a moron, we're not going to do that. Sorry. Pay our bills. Because we are a bunch of morons. <laughs> but so also, I mean, Facebook, facebook.com slash revolutionary sports front, twitter.com slash RSF podcast. RevolutionarySportsFront.com is the website for the show. You can hit us up also on email at RevolutionarySportsFront at gmail.com. And like I said, thank you for listening to this show, and thank you for being a part of the sports revolution. RSF. RSF. RSF.